Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. God, open our eyes that we may see your word in the world. Open our ears that we may hear your word in the world. Open our hearts that we may be your word in the world. Amen. Grace to you, dear friends in Christ. It is wonderful to be here and to greet you in person and online at my first Sunday service as your new associate pastor. As you might imagine, there have been many, many firsts this week, and now my first sermon. I'm going to begin with something I will call a kitchen confessional. Have you ever tried to open a bag of tightly packed rice? You might try pulling gently at the seam at first, hoping to avoid a spill, but no, the bag won't budge. And dinner needs to happen, and your patience begins to wane, and maybe a little sweat forms on your brow, and you begin to pull harder and harder until finally the whole bag of rice just explodes in the air like confetti. This has happened. Try as you might to contain the mess with your tiny little kitchen broom or your, kind, your tiny little kitchen uh, dustpan, you quickly realize that uh, your efforts are futile. You've been defeated. Rice is everywhere, lingering in places that you didn't even know existed. Like months later, you are still finding grains of rice in those tiny little gaps between the cupboards and that dark, dreary place behind the refrigerator, and even sticking to an unknown substance in your utensil drawer. How in the world did rice find its way in there? Your, door, your drawers were shut. Well, you think they were. 
This explosion of rice reminds me of how Jesus explodes into public ministry in Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He is the embodiment of God's word and work in the world. And this hometown boy from Nazareth is just on the move. And as we heard from Jenny as she read, his work can't be contained or controlled or micromanaged, not even by friends or relatives who have known him his whole life. If you're perplexed by this, I am too, because when we left off last week with pastoral intern Sherry's uh, sermon, everything seemed to be going well for our hometown hero. Uh, And as he delivered his first sermon in Nazareth, a buzz was in the air and the press was really good. For a son of a local carpenter, he sure cleaned up well. Here's one line, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Good press. But then the story gets ugly. Jesus begins to preach about a wideness in God's grace that lives and breathes and moves to far-flung places like Capernaum that moves to outcasts and outsiders like a Syrian army officer and a poor pagan woman in Zarephath. And he makes clear his allegiance. He's he's not swayed by praise and accolades. He doesn't even belong to his people in his own hometown. He belongs to God. And suddenly, affection and delight and amazement over Jesus' first appearance in the pulpit turns into fury. And fury fuels a a flash mob of sorts that attempts to fling Jesus, the new preacher, off the side of a cliff. As a side note, I am wondering, are there any cliffs in the wilds of Plymouth that I should be aware of? The people's deep-seated rage had, had to come from someplace, but where did it come from? And what were those complicated emotions that were bubbling under the surface? We will never know for sure. But I wonder if they felt left out and forgotten, uh, Jesus' friends and relatives. After all, they had known and cared for Jesus from the start, and now he was out healing and preaching and performing miracles for perfect strangers. Maybe they felt left out. Maybe they felt jealous. Reports were that the heavens were literally opening in Jesus' presence. And there were plenty of difficulties and needs in Nazareth. Didn't Jesus owe his hometown a little divine love too? I could see myself thinking that. And I wonder, maybe, if the people just wanted to hold him close. He was kin. They had named him and claimed him as their own. And we all know that letting go of people or something we love is really painful. 
It strikes me now that amidst the shifting sands over the past two years of pandemic, we too as people have been in an almost constant state of letting go. We've had to let go of familiar routines, of the comfort of physical touch and togetherness, even of connections right here in this church community. And most painfully of all, some of us have lost people we love to the virus. And I have to say that the boundaries, even the boundaries with which we organize our lives, seem to be in this constant state of flux even now. Our homes aren't really our homes when we can't invite others in. Our schools don't really feel like our schools when a laptop and a lesson plan has to be has to replace real-life friends and teachers and learning on a weekly basis. And even our church home, that one constant in our lives that's supposed to stay the same now feels different from week to week. So let's just recognize that even though we're two years into this, it's still painful. All this movement and change and letting go It's painful, and we still have to fight our instincts that tell us to do whatever possible to try to contain the messiness of it it all, to organize and to plan our way out of discomfort. And yet, here is Jesus speaking into our pain this week, reminding us, probably challenging us, to let go and instead to look for him in all these moving parts, in all the unexpected places and the crevices and the dark corners behind the fridge of our lives and communities, in the here and in the now, not just when everything gets back to normal. Just like the faith community in Nazareth, we at Mount Olivet, we we don't have any particular rights to the word and to the work of God and the grace of the gospel. We don't have any particular rights to it. It doesn't come to us on our own terms, nor is it a possession for us to just hold on to. Because the grace of God is free and it's moving Just like the Jesus in our story, who was facing the same kind of skepticism and rejection all the prophets have, but who simply passed through the midst of those who rejected him and went on his way. He passed through the midst of them and went on his way. He, he went to continue his ministry, um, but soon in our story, as we know, Jesus will go on his way again to the cross. And our job is never to rein him in, to rein in this explosion of Christ, but to follow his lead, to follow where he's going, to look for him and to listen for him and to be more of his love however and wherever it may be found. We will be surprised. We will be unsettled. We will be challenged. 
But thanks be to God for the embodied Jesus, the manifestation of God in our midst, for the way in which the gospel continues to be tangible and living among us, revealing and lighting our way. Amen.